0: I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and before we jump into today's episode, I want to give you a little update about my Flex of Gold journals. If you've been listening to 3 and 30 for a while, you've no doubt heard me talk about this journal that I created for moms to write down one golden moment that they experience with their children each day. It really is a life-changing gratitude practice, and if you're a new listener and you haven't heard me talk about this before... I'm so glad you tuned in today because this is your last chance to purchase one of these journals for the next many months. I recently decided to make Flex of Gold a seasonal offering in 2023, so it will only be for sale in November and December for the holidays. This is going to open up much more time for me to work on other aspects of my business in 2023. I'm so excited to have that space, but I also feel a little panicked to think that moms who need this journal aren't going to be able to get it for nine months. So if you've been on the fence about buying one, now is the time. Or if you want to stock up on a few to give as gifts to moms you love throughout the year, now is the time. We only have 30 journals left in stock and when they're gone, they're gone. So don't wait. Go to 3 30 podcastcom slash flexofgold to see the journal and to read more about how it works. That's 3 30 podcastcom slash flex, F-L-E-C-K-S of gold. 4 p.m. and your child walks in the door from school. You've been looking forward to seeing them all day, but instead of greeting you with a hug or a chatty report, they greet you with a total and complete meltdown. (laughs) This looks different for every child, but in my home, it has ranged from backpacks thrown down, snippy remarks, and slammed bedroom doors to full-on screaming and crying rages over the slightest provocation. Well, it's nice to see you too, child. Welcome home. It's so common for children to melt down after school that we've decided to dedicate an entire episode to this topic today. Why does this happen and is there any way to avoid it? Our expert guest today is Alyssa Blask Campbell. Alyssa is the founder and CEO of Seed and Sew, an organization committed to giving parents, teachers, and caregivers the tools to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Alyssa has a master's degree in early education and has co created the collaborative emotion processing method and researched it across the United States. She also hosts the Voices of Your Village podcast and has been featured as an emotional development expert in publications including The Washington Post, Kids VT, and Family Education. Alyssa says she is deeply passionate about building emotional intelligence in children and creating a shame-free, judgment-free community of people interested in doing the same at Seed and Sow. I can't wait to hear from her on this timely topic, so let's jump right in. Alyssa, welcome to 3 and 30. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are so excited to have you here and to talk about this topic that I am realizing is so common for moms to have their child come home from school and be so dysregulated and to just have a huge meltdown. And so many of us are probably wondering, like I mentioned in that introduction, is there something wrong with our child? Is there something wrong with me? Why is this happening? Can I do anything to minimize it? And so we're just so grateful to have an expert here today to teach us a little bit more about this. So let's just start with kind of an overarching why. Like, Why is this so common for children to have this big emotional response after school?
1: Sure. Yeah. It's technically called restraint collapse. And what it is, is that it's our brain's job to keep us safe, right? So it's spending all day filtering information. I just heard a car drive by. I can feel the clothes on my body. There are signs and things around me. There's a whole pile of coats over there in this room with me. All of that information my brain is taking in and saying, is that important? Do I have to pay attention to it? and When that car drove by, my brain was like, nope, not important. You're still safe. Keep hanging out here. If my fire alarm goes off, my brain's going to say, that's important. Pay attention. You might not be safe.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's really key that our brain does this all day, right? Like it makes sense that it does this. It keeps us literally alive. And in order for it to do this, it's pulling from our energy. So I think of it like a battery where. You know, if you have your phone plugged in and once you unplug that phone, that battery starts to drain, even if you are not doing anything like you or it's just it's just sitting on the counter. It starts to drain. And then as you use it, as you use certain apps, mm-hmm. as you're scrolling, whatever, it starts to drain faster and faster. And there are certain apps that drain it more. And we are very similar in that we have this battery and it's draining throughout the day to try and keep us alive. Mm -hmm. And so when kids are at school, they're experiencing so much stimuli. Every time somebody stands up from a desk and walks, their brain says, am I safe? Right? And think of just like just that happens so many times throughout the day. Not to mention all the other stimuli that exist, the sights, the sounds, the transitions, everything happening around them. Their brain's working really hard to filter this information all day. Mm. And we need to pour into that bank account throughout the day so that there's something there to pull from. So we recharge that battery throughout the day so that we aren't hitting that red blinking, I'm going to die, I'm at 10% battery uh, feature that we all are well aware of.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So when they come home, they're on a drained battery. Exactly. Exactly. I love this restraint collapse. I've never heard that term, but it's they've had so much restraint for so long all day, kind of trying to keep it together. And then they just kind of like collapse and they just let it all out. Is that accurate?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And they let it all out for the people that they know can handle it and can take it and that will love them unconditionally. It's one of the real beauties of being that person for someone.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So... Are children's brains activated in this way even when they're home? Are they like constantly, is their brain wondering if they're safe with every new stimuli or is it more just when they're in unfamiliar situations?
1: Yeah, so it's happening all of the time. But when you're in a space where you know what to expect, the brain can take a little bit of a step back. Versus Mm -hmm. if you're in a space where it's not as familiar or there is more unknown, you're going to be a little bit more on alert. If you think of like when you're driving in the car, if you're going a route that you know, Mm -hmm. You can kind of do it with a little more ease. But if you're taking a new route, you're a little more on alert. You're like, all right, I want to make sure I don't miss that turn or I don't know what's coming up next. Uh, And your brain's a little more on, if you will. Yeah,
0: yeah. So they're more on at school, which makes sense. And they don't know totally what to expect from the people and the environment. And so it's just a lot. And then to come home, they just are able to let it all out for us. Lucky us. (laughs) So you mentioned the importance of making some like deposits in the bank or recharging that battery Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't get down to 10%. And those are going to be your three takeaways today. So ideally, we'd be able to do this with our kids throughout the day, stop and plug them back in and do these things. But when they're at school, I mean, hopefully they have a teacher that knows this information that's trying to do this stuff with them, but we can't. So are these things that we can do when they get home to also help them recharge more quickly?
1: Exactly. So we're looking at morning routine and then evening routine. And then, especially as they get older, You can start to help them notice these things in their body so that they can bring some of these in during the day.
0: Mm, They can do it themselves, even Mm -hmm. if they don't have. Okay. Correct. That's so great. Okay, so let's start with your first takeaway then of something that they can do to build up some of this emotional reserve when they're at school.
1: Sure. So my first takeaway is movement. Which can sound counterintuitive when you imagine like, oh, I'm exhausted and you just want to kind of collapse on the couch. Hmm. One of the... Best energizers and that really recharges our body is moving it. And there are two different types of movement that are really key. One is that big body play, where we see kids that are like jumping off into the couch cushions or jumping on a trampoline or climbing and like all over the place. Really, that big body, maybe wrestling, really looking for a deep squeeze or a hug, that sort of deep pressure and that's called proprioceptive input. And that's one of your sensory systems. When we think of our senses, you know, we often think of those five, sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. Proproceptive is another one of your senses, and it's really key for regulation. And so as we are pouring into that, we can do so in play. We can make up a fun game that involves jumping my little guy right now loves to be rolled up like a burrito and we just make a game out of it where he's rolled up in a yoga mat or rolled up in a blanket. And we might do things like the floor is lava. Don't touch the floor. How are you going to get from this place to that place? So we can make it fun and engaging and interactive. But the goal here is that big body movement, thinking jumping, thinking deep squeezes, that deep pressure. And really our nervous system needs this about every 90 minutes to two hours throughout the day. So if we think of our kids in a classroom setting, a lot of them aren't getting that. And so they're really coming home drained. Side note, all of us yeah. as adults need the same thing. A lot of mm. us as adults also aren't getting this every 90 minutes to two hours. And it might even be as simple as like every two hours I'm gonna pause and do jumping jacks. And this is where like as kids get older, we can help them learn to build these things in. Like when you go to the bathroom and you're in the bathroom stall. Do some jumping jacks or squeeze your fist and let them go like you're squeezing a stress ball or give yourself a really tight snuggle hug when you have that opportunity and helping them learn how they can build that in throughout the day. But we will bring that home and right when they get home, we're going to look at tapping into movement, sometimes even just like getting to the car. How many frog Mm -hmm. jumps will it take us to get from your school door to the car door? Or the car door to home, building it in through transition. The other type of movement is called vestibular input, and this is where we move the plane of our head. This is another one of our sensory systems, and it is responsible for your balance. It's located in your inner ear, and it's a huge part of regulation. This input for most humans lasts a little bit longer in their system, really up to four hours rather than that 90 minutes to every two hours. There's differentiation between humans. So like my husband loves vestibular input and craves it. And as a baby, this looked like bouncing on a yoga ball or wanting to be like in a car seat my mother in law would put him in the car seat on the dryer and turn it on to get him to sleep like that movement was really helpful and soothing whereas for me too much of that makes me nauseous Mm -hmm. and so really figuring out like who's your kid and what does that look like we had a parent the other day who said her kiddo's coming home from school and hanging upside down to watch tv and she was like should i do something about this i was like nope that's perfect she's getting that vestibular input by moving the plane of her head so things spinning going upside down swinging. This could be in a hammock. It could be in an actual swing. It can be doing some yoga where you're doing down dog. It can be spinning in a chair, really just looking at how do I move that plane of my head
0: mm-hmm.
1: and recognizing who is your unique child and what do they gravitate toward when they are off to play by themselves? Are they craving that big body input or could they like live on a swing and then tapping into that movement when we come in?
0: Yeah. This is so interesting. And I know there's things on the market now like yoga swings that you can even hang in kids' bedrooms, you know? And Uh so then they can go and hang upside down and kind of spin themselves up in the swing and let it twirl back down. And getting something like that for a bedroom could be a great idea. I love the idea of doing movement from the school to the car because I know... And I thought it was just me, but I have since heard from my little sister, from one of my best friends, that one of the hardest times of the day is the drive home from school. That's when my kids are the crankiest. And now they're at two different schools, but when they were in elementary school together, that's when they would fight like cats and dogs. So I'd pick them up from school. I would be so excited to see them and they would just be poking and fighting and we're driving home. I'm trying to talk to them about their day and it's just the most miserable 10 minutes of the whole day. And so if you could help them get some of that energy out before they even get into your car if they have a playground that has some play equipment, if you could even swing by and have them, you know, our playground here still has one of those like merry-go-rounds that. Oh yeah. I love it. I think they're gone. We've taken them out of a lot of playgrounds, but that you spin, you know, and the kids love that. So go do that for 10 minutes before you get in the car and see if that helps them sort of decompress a little bit.
1: Exactly. And if you don't have access to that, like kind of recreating it, like I will spin a kid around me, like in a circle I have one tiny human who I can picture when I was a teacher who really, by the end of the day, really needed some vestibular input. And when Lee would be waiting for pickup, I would just be spinning him. He would like go around in circles around my body and I would Aww. transfer from one hand to the next. And that helped him get through that transition and head into his parents' arms in hopefully a little more regulated state. Yes. But yeah, it, recreating that in some capacity, recreating the merry ground, recreating the swing. How can we bring that into regular transitions?
0: Yeah. And I love that you mentioned adults too. Now I'm thinking like, as I'm working at my desk, do do I need to take a break and do leap frogs to the bathroom, you know, or something, something to just get my body moving and get that recharge that I need.
1: Yeah. And you know what? It doesn't have to be like a 30 minute run. And I think this is where the hang up is. Like, I don't have 10, 15, 30 minutes to spend with my kids on movement. It can be one, three, five minutes. Like, it Mm. doesn't have to be a big undertaking. Like, doing 30 jumping jacks makes a difference. Pausing really quickly to do some deep squeezes, having a 20 second hug. That's really tight, makes a difference. And so it doesn't have to be a giant undertaking. I think even like for myself, I've done jumping jacks in bathrooms so much in my life because it feels accessible. Like, all right, maybe I don't want to do jumping jacks like in the hallway, yeah. but I can go into a stall and do some jumping jacks and recharge and come back out in a more regulated state. My husband sits in an office chair that can like bounce back and forth to get a little bit of that bounce throughout the day.
0: Mm-hmm. Such great tips. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Thrive Market, an online membership market that helps you save up to 30% on high quality products. Raise your hand if your grocery bill has skyrocketed this past year like mine has. I love my little mountain town, but with only one main grocery store, prices are especially high and options on products are low. This is why I'm so excited to introduce you to Thrive Market. For just $5 a month, Thrive gives you access to thousands of organic and sustainable products curated for members at an exceptional price. Not only does Thrive Market save me money, but they also save me time. I love the filter options they have available. Whether you're looking for certified organic meats or sustainable kitchen essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with the click of a button. So far, I've shopped for yummy organic treats and stasher bags for a reusable and eco-friendly option for food storage, and I was able to save almost $20 on my last order. Join Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift, Go to thrivemarket.com slash three and 30 for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash three and 30, thrivemarket.com slash three and 30. This episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Are you feeling stuck with any decisions that need to be made or problems going on in your family or personal life? I want you to know that I cannot recommend therapy highly enough, especially for parents who are managing kids' schedules, friendships, mealtimes, and emotions, along with their own. Therapy has helped me recognize my thought and behavior patterns, which helps me solve problems more quickly. It's so empowering to be able to find your own solutions instead of feeling stuck or helpless. Therapy is an incredible tool to help you build your emotional wellness, which in turn will mean that you're better equipped to teach your children how to build theirs. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists, available 100% online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com 3in30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com 3in30. And then what is your second takeaway?
1: Yeah, my second takeaway is connection. So this, again, it can feel like a leaky cup sometimes. It can feel like I just poured into them and they want more, 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 more. Mm. And the reality is, like, how we do connection matters. So we're looking for quality over quantity. And we're looking, the magic number in research is generally about 10 minutes, but we'll take five. Like, if that's all you have available, do it. I'm looking at like right when we come in from outside so or from school or from whatever the transition is after school. And really, I think the hard part for us as parents is that there's so much to do in the evening. It's like we're coming in and we're unpacking stuff and we're getting ready. Maybe there's homework. Maybe there's some sort of after school thing and there's dinner and there's bath and there's that. There's so much to pack in to often a short period of time that it feels like We don't have time to carve out for connection. Hmm. And let me tell you, your ROI here is worth it. The return on investment is worth it. When we can pop in 10 minutes that we call front loading of connection, then what we end up seeing are fewer meltdowns, fewer times that they're saying, will you connect with me in what's often a really annoying and convenient way? Like, Pushing their sibling or throwing something across the room or drawing on a
0: wall. Mm. Which those are bids for connection. Exactly. And so when
1: we can front load that connection and almost take control of that, of like, this is a time that we're going to carve out to do it. What's really important here is that phones are away. So any sort of outside screen type distraction is a way and I would turn a ringer off, like all that jazz. So that the kid really feels like you're there with them. And we've all felt this where we've like been around someone, but we can tell that they're only like half there and that they're pulled. It makes a difference. And so one of my favorite ways to do this is to incorporate the movement with connection. It's also a way that we can bring other kids into this together. For those of us that, like, have more than one kid, mm-hmm. it can be like, all right, if I'm doing 10 minutes of this kid and 10 minutes of this kid, and it, like, adds up, right? And so looking at how do we bring this all together, one of my favorite ways is through a game. So if we're playing the floor is lava, I'm playing with them. So we're both moving our bodies and we're connecting with each other. Or we're all going to sit down and have snack together. Or we're going to do some sort of activity together where our phones are away and I'm present and I'm here with you Mm -hmm. the kicker can be when you have kids who need different things after school and we'll go into that with the third takeaway of like how to incorporate that but when we're looking at connection I really want to say like you don't need to do it for an extended period of time if we have high quality connective time 10 minutes is our goal
0: yeah which is really really reassuring to hear And I love that you mentioned you can combine the first and the second, the movement and the connection at the same time, play with them at the park or hold their little hands and swing them around in a circle outside in the yard and they're laughing and they're getting that movement and you're connecting with them.
1: And not doing that while you're talking to your neighbor or talking to your partner, like doing that and being present with them. Bonus points if this play involves child-led play where they get to tell you what to do. Mm. The floor is lava. Where do you think I should go? How do I get over there? Can you help me figure it out? And then they're telling you what to do or we're coloring or we're creating something and they are leading the activity. It's a huge bonus for connection.
0: Yeah, that's so great. And then what's the third takeaway?
1: The third takeaway is downtime, which I feel like so many of us can relate to. There are so many times I'm like, I just want to lay in a dark room where no one needs anything from me and no one's talking to me and no one's touching me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And like our kids need that too. And they don't always ask for it in ways that are what we call probe social, where they're like, oh, yeah, mom, can I have some downtime? Like, no, they're going to usually do some sort of behavior that shows us that they're overstimulated mm. and they're spent. Mm. So downtime is really going to help the nervous system recover. It's decreasing that stimuli that the brain is trying t- so hard to filter. So we're making sure that there isn't background music happening. We're like turning down stimuli, turning down lights, turning down sound. It could look like some quiet time after school. I love to do this, like playing a whisper game or something along those lines where we're dropping the volume down. You can incorporate connection and downtime together. It can be independent playtime. It could be really spending some time. We have a family in our village who every day after school, they go into this little tent in their child's room and there are two kids and the tent is in one kid's room who really benefits from that like closed off space. And they all go into this little tent and there's cushions and there's a flashlight and they turn off the big lights and they use this flashlight to read two books together. Mm. And it's their way of like connecting and having downtime together and then the kids Go and play and have movement afterward.
0: Yeah, that is the sweetest tradition. The mom gets Isn't in there it with so cute. She gets What's in there with him. Them. Oh, that is so sweet.
1: Isn't it awesome? And so you have that—you have the connection. You have that downtime where, like, everybody just gets to truly calm. Mm. You know, we're like, we're just removing stimuli and saying, "You're safe. We're here together. Um, we're hanging out," and there isn't a whole lot outside of what's happening in this tent that you have to process. Really reducing stimuli is the goal of downtime.
0: So, not watching a show,
1: not usually. Yes, and you know what? If I'm going to get a little nerdy here, but for some kids, they need what called dopamine. We're going to use some dopamine to get to serotonin or oxytocin. Serotonin and oxytocin are really going to calm the nervous system. This is where we're getting that like feel-good, laughing, love hormone is oxytocin. Serotonin is really regulating. We'll get some serotonin in movement activities. You'll get some in downtime activities. Dopamine's the reward center of the brain, and that's what's firing when we're watching a screen. And for some kids, especially kids who are neurodivergent, we're really seeing this in research around ADHD now. If they have low dopamine stores, then they might need some dopamine in order to access the serotonin or oxytocin. Interesting. Yeah, right? So it might be a set amount of screen time or some sort of like dopamine eliciting activity, reward center thinking, but we can get dopamine in movement too. So Those would be my favorite ways to get it. Not because I'm anti-screen time. I'm here for screens and using them in whatever way is helpful for your family. What I'm looking at is what's the pitfall look like afterward? Is this really going to recharge their system so that your evenings are smoother? And If they're coming home and they're depleted and then we're putting them in front of a screen that has more stimuli, it might further deplete them. And so what I want to do is recharge them before we're adding that stimuli in.
0: Mm -hmm. So is that something that you would just experiment with your child to see how are they when they come off of a screen? Are they more able to access the movement and connection after they've been on a screen or are they less able to access those things and then sort of figure out the best routine for your individual child
1: exactly and like my dream would be there's some sort of movement first and if you're playing a game with them like a relay race whatever you're going to get some of that dopamine anyway and that like reward winning whatever mm. and so if we can tap into that i like using the screens for times like when you are making dinner and you can't be right there you can't have that connection or you can't whatever and using them in ways that's helpful for us as adults. But I think right after school is this sweet spot time where they're looking for connection from us and their body needs a recharge. And it's usually not optimal for the rest of your night if we use it then.
0: Mm, Yeah, that makes so much sense. Thinking about my individual children, what about audiobooks? So Mm -hmm. I feel like I have one son in particular, and he does have ADHD. So he Comes home and he immediately wants more stimulation. Like he either wants to be watching a screen or he wants to be listening to a book. But sometimes sure. I worry that, like, you just need to unwind a little bit. Like, I wonder if he just needs no input at all for a little while. And then we turn yeah. on the audiobook. But that's just like a mom wondering that you know a lot sure. more of the research behind it than I do. What are your thoughts on audiobooks?
1: Well, my first thought with your son was I wonder if what he's really saying is I need some dopamine. Mm-hmm. So, what else can we do that gives him dopamine? I love an audiobook for certain humans. For mm-hmm. some kids, like sound sensitive kids, an audiobook, or if you have a kid who, um, I was just chatting with mom about this the other day when it's like an infant who screams in the car and people are like, oh yeah, put on their favorite song or whatever. Like if you have a sound sensitive kid, that's gonna further overstimulate them and dysregulate them. Mm -hmm. And so really looking at like, who's your kid? If they benefit from that and that restores them and it's not overstimulating, I would see, can I pair an audio book with movement? Mm -hmm. Can they sit on a yoga ball or something like that to be able to get some movement in while they're listening? Really recharging while that's happening. If you think of like, going for a run while you listen to something, that sort of mentality, looking at how can we pair those two. Same with watching a screen, like the little girl who's hanging upside down. One of our seed team members has um, one of those swings you were talking about hooked in the living room so that when the kid's watching TV, she's on one of those swings. Mm. And it recharges her while she's then having the stimuli that's going to pull from the nervous system.
0: Yeah. I love that idea of pairing it and he would not be willing to like do jumping jacks while listening to an audiobook totally. or something that has tons of exertion but bouncing on a yoga ball I wouldn't even have to tell him to do that if I put a yoga ball in his room he would just <laughs> naturally do that you know yeah so such a great tip can you use downtime as a parent to build in opportunities for connection with other children like if you have multiple children that's something that came to mind for me is I could have one of them doing downtime while I'm connecting with the other and then kind of switch it around? What have you seen in your work where families are using this?
1: Absolutely, you can do that. And for some kids, it's beneficial for their downtime to be solo time. Mm-hmm. And so if you have one of those tiny humans where you notice that if we have group downtime, they're still pretty revved up. But when they have time to be alone in their room afterward or play or whatever, that that fills them up and recharges that battery, then yeah, I would look at how can we build that in where they have that solo time. And then you're doing the connection with another. We have a family in our seed team that one kid loves to cook and is really into it. And the connection time for him is when he gets to cook dinner with his parent. And the other kid would rather never cook. Like, that doesn't fill him up. And so when they come home, the one kid who loves to cook, it's part of their routine. He knows he's getting connection time during dinner. And he has a whole routine that doesn't involve that parent right Mm -hmm. after school. It's movement and some schoolwork stuff and chores around the house and whatever. And he has, like, a whole routine set in place while the parent that picks up goes and has downtime and connection time her movement time and connection time with the other child. And then during dinner has connection time with the child that really is filled up by cooking dinner. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I think sometimes it's just a matter of sitting down and thinking about your individual children, thinking about the activities in your family and kind of writing this out. When could I get this connection time in? When would it make sense to fit movement in for each of these children? And as moms, sometimes we're so busy, we don't stop to do that kind of forward thinking planning figuring it out the needs of the family so those who are listening I think that would be a great challenge for this week and to sit down and think about this with your children well Alyssa this has been so so helpful I know so many moms are going to be taking these tools and using them this week to get a little more calm in their homes after school if they want to learn more from you which I'm sure they will what's the best place for them to find your work Sure.
1: So over on Instagram at seed.and.so, S E W. And we also have a podcast, Voices of Your Village podcast. And if you're really interested in learning a little more about the nervous system, start with episode four. It's with an occupational therapist, and she dives a little deeper into the nervous system as a whole.
0: All right. Great. So we will link your Instagram, we'll link your podcast on that specific episode. This has been so, so helpful. And thank you for coming on 3 and 30.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Nice to hang out.
0: I love a practical episode like that. Don't you just feel like you can use those tips today when you see your children after school or after you get done with work? As a recap of Alyssa's three takeaways, try to incorporate these three components into your child's after-school routine to help them recharge and get through their restraint collapse. First, movement. We all need big body movement every 90 minutes to two hours. We can support children with big body play, such as allowing them to jump into piles of pillows, challenging them to see how many frog jumps it will take to get to the bathroom door, rolling them up in a blanket, or giving them a massage or a 20-second hug. Children also need to move their heads, and they can do that by spinning in a chair, dipping upside down, swinging on swings or a hammock, and doing yoga inversions. Try to make movement a fun and consistent part of your child's after-school routine to help them recharge more quickly. Second, connection. Connection can look really different from child to child, but all children need it. Be present with your child for a few minutes as they get their movement in, or maybe try reading a book together, playing a game, making a snack, or one of our family's favorites, listening to an interesting podcast together as we eat a snack and then talking about it. Third, downtime. Downtime can help the central nervous system recover from overstimulation and overwhelm. This could look like turning off extra noise or stimulation and just hanging out together, or it might look like your child taking some independent playtime or quiet time in their room. I love Alyssa's tip of giving your child something physical to do while they get their downtime in, like bouncing on a yoga ball or swinging in a hanging chair as they listen to a book. So movement, connection, and downtime. And the key here is to get to know your individual child and their sensory needs, and to build an after-school routine that supports that. It's also so important to teach them about their sensory needs, so they can learn to meet them on their own without you needing to always direct it as they get older. And if you'd like a resource to dive more into the topic of sensory preferences, I aired an amazing episode with educator Wendy Burtonall just over a year ago about how to identify your family's sensory preferences. The episode is called The Hidden Reasons for Misbehavior in Kids and Adults. I think it's episode 191, I'll link it in the show notes. And sensory needs really are the hidden but vital reason for behavior, and knowing more about it can change your home. You're doing a great job, Mama, and your kids are so lucky to have a mom who cares enough about them to listen to podcasts like this. As always, I'm cheering you on, and I hope you have a great week with your family.